Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And now, it's the rest stop with Brad Restituto. Handoff, Damian Williams trying to get to the edge, breaks a tackle, 35, 30, Damian Williams, 20, stays in bounds, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City! And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the 2, to the 1, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone, a touchdown! Derek looks left, Derek going to throw for the end zone, Carl! It is Carl! Good evening. Welcome to the rest stop. It's June 24th, 2021. I'm Brad Restituto. Spencer Ostrowski joins me as always. You can follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. You can follow myself at Brad the Believer. Also give a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel at Brad the Believer. You can find that. We post all of the rest stop podcast episodes. Got a good show for you tonight. Uh, a good friend of mine who's been on the podcast before, Dave Perry, he will join us in about 15 minutes. Uh, Dave's actually got some marriage advice for me. If you're just uh, joining us and you didn't catch Tuesday's podcast, uh, I am now engaged as of Monday and uh, at some point in time will be a married man. We don't know when that time will be. We'll definitely enjoy the engagement probably for quite some time. Uh, but Dave's going to jump in and give me some marriage advice. So I'm looking forward to see or to hear Dave's opinions. He's been married for well over 15 years, I'm pretty sure. So he's got some words of encouragement slash wisdom for me, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing that from Dave and we'll also get some of his sports opinions as the NBA playoffs are down to four teams. Here in Vegas, the NHL playoffs, one team has advanced to the Western Conference Finals, and it is not the Vegas Golden Knights. So the, the Vegas fans are a bit disappointed, but the Knights fell tonight on the road. Uh, they took it to overtime, but they fell to the Canadians 3-2, to two, and that closes their door on the 2021 season, and they lose this series in six games, 4-2 to two, to the Canadians. And the Canadians pretty much were 500. Hockey club coming into the playoffs really, really caught uh, fire here in the playoffs, and they, they handled Vegas after the first couple games. So uh, Spence certainly – is a little more dialed into the Vegas Golden Knights than myself, so we'll get some of his thoughts on that and, and what does this mean for this hockey club moving forward here in, in Las Vegas. Some also local Las Vegas news, a, a new property opened up on the Strip today. Uh, I'm not really happy with the property, so I'm not going to give them too much pub. As they, uh, We'll get into that another time, but pretty much the moral of the story here in uh, Sin City is, is Vegas is getting back its life after this COVID pandemic is not completely off the picture, but it's more in the rearview mirror than it has been since it started over 18 months ago. So we're excited to um, excited to get things going, get people back here in Sin City. Hopefully, we'll have some you know more buffets opening up, some more conventions here in town, some more shows, which really uh, are the lifeline of the city but spence let's jump right into the nba playoffs the western conference playoffs the western conference finals game three tonight the suns had a commanding two nothing lead in dramatic fashion winning game two game three back at staples center 
the Suns having Chris Paul back in the lineup after missing the first two games because of COVID protocol. We don't know the exact details, or, or at least I don't I don't know the exact details of what exactly happened, but we do know that he was a go tonight, suited up, was healthy and played for the Suns, but it didn't matter. And I thought it would. Uh, but the Clippers hold home court, which they've done this entire playoff series at least um, from a standpoint of coming into game threes. They've been down 2 nothing in every series. And each and every time they've won game three and game four. Um, tonight, the Clippers made it happen. They won the game 106-92 in a low-scoring affair. Uh, what stuck out to me statistically, Spence, is they out-rebounded the Phoenix Suns plus 12 in that department is about even on the offensive glass. The Suns had 11. The Clippers had a 10. But uh, it was it was nine extra rebounds on the defensive end for the Clippers. Both teams shot fairly poorly. Uh, 37 of 82 from the field for the Clippers, 45%. I mean, that's not that's not terrible, but uh, if you look from the field, Paul George, 9 of 26 isn't great. Pat Beverly and Zubox, 3 of 8, a little under 50%. So I guess it wasn't terrible. They got some contributions off the bench. Luke Kennard had 9. Marcus Moore, senior, played 24 minutes, had 8 points. Uh, Nick Batum played 15 minutes. So a little bit, it looks like a little bit of a change to the lineups here as Trevor Mann got a uh, majority of the run, 32 minutes for Trevor Mann. So uh, some strings pulled by Ty Lue. Zubots played 33 minutes. Pat Beverly played 27. So going a little smaller here, the Clippers, it worked out tonight and they really played extremely well defensively, holding Chris Paul to 5 of 19 from the field, Devin Booker 5 of 21 from the field one to seven from three. So a nice job defensively by the, by the Clippers and they're right back in the mix. If they would have went down three to nothing, we talked about the importance of that Spence. That's almost closing the door and an insurmountable deficit to overcome. But the Clippers, they get one on the board tonight and they'll be heading back to Staples uh, over the weekend for game four to try to even up the series. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Clippers getting the job done at home tonight and, and making this series certainly more competitive and doing what they've done up to this point, fall behind two games and then uh, making a charge and the Clippers do what they have to do tonight, Spence, to uh, even up, not even up the series, but within one game of evening up the series at two. Up, oh, Spencer, uh, Spencer dropped off there. Um, so while we're waiting for Spence to come back, I I'm going to go ahead and add my good friend, uh, Dave Perry to the mix. Dave, uh, before we get your extremely um, exciting marital advice for myself, um, let's get your thoughts on, uh, tonight's day. First of all, welcome, but let's, uh, get your thoughts on the basketball game tonight. Did you watch it? Did, what did you think about the Clippers taking care of home court tonight against the Suns? Man, I thought the, the, I thought the game, I thought both teams were pretty flat. Uh, I didn't really think that, um, either of them played all that, all that well. Um, but, um, I was kind of surprised the Clippers brought it. Um, because they've kind of been, uh, I thought the Chris Paul coming back would have, uh, given Phoenix that, um, extra boost and, um, no one's really been able to contain Booker. So, um, for, for, for the last minute. So I figured Phoenix was going to take it. Um, but, um, I'm glad to see, um, the Clippers take one. Um, cause I, you know, I think all four teams. Uh, while they're not my favorite teams, they're all four fun to watch. Uh, well, not Milwaukee, but the other three are kind of fun teams to watch. Um, so if the series go long, that's good because once basketball ends, then we're in that lull of crappy sports. Well, we got the Olympics this year, Dave, uh, as they were kind of marked out in 2020 because of COVID. Uh, do you have any any interest in USA basketball and the Olympics coming back into the fold here in 2021. Um, what are your thoughts um, on, on that so, on that situation? So I'm kind of, um, for me, I personally wish that we would go back to the college model. Um, I kind of think that, um, you know, having our superstars, or at, if we're not going to go back to the college model, uh, maybe doing it like a rookie sophomore kind of thing, like we only pull players from the rookie sophomore, um, because I feel like, uh, once you start, you know, having the dream teams every year, it doesn't make it fun to watch to me. Um, I, I'm not interested in watching a game of, um, you know, where it's 25 point leads every every single time. I'd rather watch a competitive thing. Plus, I think 
it gives the younger guys an experience that they might never get. So if you go, you know what I'm saying? Where, you know, like, you know, the uh, Durant's and the Jameses and the Curry's and the Hardens and stuff, you know, they're going to take up a spot if they want it. And if you, you know, make it to where it's like rookies and sophomores, then you've kind of opened it up to people that might not get to those levels, but still have the experience of bringing home um, a gold medal. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying there, Dave, but I don't know if I completely um, am on board with that just due to the fact that um, I, I just don't think it's a walk in the park like it was in the 90s with USA basketball and Olympic basketball. I think the competition is certainly more stout than it's been ever. Uh, I mean, just look at some of the top European players that are have transitioned into the NBA. Um, I know that the USA should still have a stranglehold on uh, the competition, but uh, I certainly don't think that um, if they had the college players in the mix or even some just rookies and sophomores, I think USA would be eliminated uh, fairly quickly. I don't even know that they would be competing for a medal. That's just my personal opinion. Um, so, I mean, it's, it is interesting. You, you certainly don't have a hundred percent of the guys on board, like uh, that, that you would be accustomed to. Are we sure LeBron is playing in, uh, in this? Uh, I don't think LeBron's playing um, this year. I think he, he made some reference of, you know, he was going to watch space Jam or something like that. I think, um, I, I think, I think this year is kind of a weird year because if you if you think about it, they had such a a, a weird ser- season with COVID. Then they had such a short turnaround. You know, they had the late season start, then they had the short short turnaround, and then they had this season. Even though it was abbreviated, it was still you know a long season. And you know, LeBron already made a comment about um, you know uh, I told you this was going to happen, yada yada yada. So I think that. Um, having the Olympics in the summer, I think some of the guys, uh, at least the older guys are more apt to be like, I don't want to play, you know, give up my, you know, my rest period this off season as well, since I basically gave it over. All right. Uh, so Spence is back, but Spence, before you jump on here, we'll talk, we'll talk some sports here, Dave, let's get into the meat of potatoes of, uh, why I brought you on tonight. Uh, as you've, are aware I am uh, engaged for the first time ever, uh, hopefully the last and only time ever. So we had uh, texted, you texted me once you found out, we've been texting a little bit and uh, I thought it was going to be a great time to bring you on because you said you had uh, some possible marital advice for me. And I am certainly not only uh, taking notes here, but I am all ears and excited to hear. Uh, so would you like to start it off with uh, maybe a couple key points or should I just start rapid firing you, hitting you with questions uh, about how to navigate this whole um, life after uh, the girlfriend title is expired? Okay. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is for advice because you're a gambler like me, you need to figure out a number of monetary uh amounts that your wife not your girlfriend anymore but your wife will be acceptable of your losing and that's what you lose all the time so for okay me, dave how does that work when you're a degenerate uh gambler no, and you i understand <laughs> well you know i'm a degenerate poker player so for me my limit you know where my wife doesn't get pissed off is about like two hundred dollars like if i told her i lost more than two hundred dollars She's going to, she's going to freak out. Right. So it doesn't matter if I go to the casino and I lose $2,000. I'm going to tell her I lost $200 because she doesn't need to know because if she knows, then, then that's death. On the other hand, you always tell her half of what you win. So if you win, <laughs> win 5,000, you only tell her you won 2,500. Because just like the government, she's going to take her cut. So you might as well say, if you won twenty five hundred, you only won twelve fifty. Here's your six twenty five, and keep it moving, baby. And then you know, happy wife, happy life. Okay, that's a start. That's Dave Perry joining us here. A good friend of mine. I've known him well over uh, two decades. We're having him jump on and giving Brad the Believer here uh, some much-needed marital advice as I am a newly engaged man. If you did not catch 
the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, Dave, so, so I, I have some, some serious marital questions I could uh, use your advice with. So, uh, so how do you navigate the whole, uh, you know, comfort zone attention thing? Cause once you're together a certain amount of time, you know, you tend to get very comfortable, but with women, uh, you know, you can't get too comfortable because they need the affection, attention, uh, love constantly and the reassurance to know that, um, that they are needed, desired and wanted. Uh, so, I know that's kind of a loaded question, Dave, but I'll hand it off to you and, and you analyze and dissect this one to the best of your ability. Okay. So, so, so what you're going to hear a lot is I don't want advice. I want to be heard, which is basically what they're trying to tell you is they just like to talk and they want you to listen. So, <laughs> um, and cause you'll know, cause you, you'll, you'll, she'll say something like that bitch is crazy at work. And then you'll try to be like, well, what can we do to make her less crazy? And then she's going to tell you straight up, I don't want your solutions. I just want you to listen to how I feel about this bitch being crazy. So what you do is it's kind of like one of those wind up dolls where you just pull and you just let it go. That's what you do. You go, well, tell me why you feel that way. And then while she's talking, you don't have to really listen. You just look at her and pretend you're listening, and every once in a while, I go, <laughs> and you could think about you think about whatever you want. You think about, um, you know, the Vikings, you know, your parlay that you think the uh, the steak See, dinner. Dave, that I, kind of Dave I have to inter- I have to interject here because I know this this typical type of uh, uh, behavior wins typically, um, but in my situation, it's not as easy as it looks because. Uh, with my now fiance, um, she very much points out when I don't listen because she no, no, asked me to re- repeat back what she just said. Let me finish. Let okay, me finish. Okay, you have to keep. You have to keep acknowledging during the conversation as if you're listening. So you'll say things like "good point." Oh, I agree with but, you. Dave, this is the thing. I say these things. And I agree with you. You're not listening. What did I just say? And if I don't repeat it back verbatim, then that's it. I get a scolding. No. Oh, oh, well, flip it on her. When she asks you, what did I say? You flip it back and you go, what What did you say? Like, are you trying are you, are you, is that your true feelings or is that just your emotional response because you're upset? You gotta you gotta learn to use the psycho babble that they get from lifetime. <laughs> and really, you have to know that once you get married, Brad, your days are numbered. I know your your girlfriend's like my wife. She watches murder podcasts <laughs> and, she, and you, you catch her in the room and she's watching the lifetime movie where the wife kills her husband. They're just taking notes that one day when you mess up, you never know. You know, it'll be natural causes, but we know, <laughs> you know. So uh, definitely get the will together before uh, before the wedding. You, well, yes. Dave, yeah. is your is your will together? You have multiple kids now. Please tell me after after your issue, you have a detailed uh, dynamic. Hey, I, of... I have a trust. We don't even have a will. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Explain so the you... difference to to the listeners out here. Um. I don't know. Trust just makes it sound like you got money and we ain't got kids. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, supposedly a trust allows you to not have to do probate. You can kind of designate everything like within your trust and that when you de- dedicate uh, money, it absolves the fact that you need lawyers and all that kind of stuff. Because when you pass on and you don't have like a, a, a trust, then probate lawyers and all this can go in. And this is just what I heard from, uh, you know, from my parents. And so we followed suit. Um, okay, all right. But, but yeah, like you just, you know, on the real, like if I could give you the best advice, I'll give you the advice uh, uh, my grandpa gave me. And, and like, I, I think this is um, every time I do like a wedding speech or whatever, or give advice, this is like my true um, you know, because if you ask me, marriage is like, I, I always tell people it's like prison, but I can't get out for good behavior. I try. <laughs> um, but I've been married 
well, I've been with Lindsay for 21 years now, and we've been married for 15. And it's it's hard, and it, there's times where you want to kill each other. Um, but I think that kind of actually defines that you love each other, uh, because if you didn't want to kill them at some point, you never really loved them. Um, but and Dave, you, you were able to, uh, to have a trip, um, solo or those important sometimes because yes. uh, I did see you here recently. You were in Vegas. We got to spend some time together for the first time and definitely over a decade. So, uh, are these things allowed in a marriage or am I completely confined to, uh, the parameters of, of it the marriage space allowed, for forever? It will not be allowed in the beginning because, okay. you know, he's going to want to maximize the whole. Uh, you're in love and you got to spend every waking moment. But you will realize at some point that you need your own identities and you need your own personal time to get out and do your own thing. And, you know, um, and plus, you we got to get Spence involved in your uh, bachelor party. I know Spence is ready to tear it up. Yeah, okay, and, uh, Spence, I want you to jump on here because, correct me if I'm wrong, Spence, uh, I'm not ready to go for you with marital advice, but uh, I believe Spence's parents have been together for quite some time. Uh, so I'm sure at some point, Spence, when you're ready to uh, be in a settled position, you, you would probably ask your parents, how, how have you done this? So has this conversation come up? And, and am, I, am I accurate in saying your parents have been together for quite some time? Uh, yeah. You know, they have adult children. So, I mean, you, you must have uh, maybe some outside looking in advice to, uh, to give me here. Yeah, my parents are uh, truck drivers together. So how they don't, you know, want to kill each other is a, is a mystery to me. But they, they seem to love each other. But it is that individual time. I think that is like really important. Like my dad golfs with his buddies all the time. And they have separate interests, but they also have some of the same. So I think, you know, sharing some experiences together and maybe having different ones as well and understanding that those individual interests like are your own is also very important uh, because there's always a point, I think, in any relationship where when they get too involved because they want to seem like they're cool, then you feel a little uncomfortable and like that's kind of my time. So distinguishing those kinds of things uh, and just having honest conversations about it. I think we'll go a long way. That's the only outside perspective I think I can give you. Yeah, I think Spence hit on something good because um, the idea that you're going to like everything that he, that you like and and that they're going to like everything you like and there's going to be this like full symbiose, symbiotic thing, it's just not real. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that's that's movie shit. Um, what you you, you the, the best thing is if they except that you like those things. Like, for example, like wrestling. Okay. Like, you know, my wife in the beginning tried to pretend that she was like, going to be like, you know, she's going to go to the wrestling things and she's going to watch it on TV. And there for a while, she, you know, she faked it to make it to kind of be like, you know, but as we started getting together, she was like, I'm not watching this stuff anymore. (laughs) You know, like, but she's always been kind of like, you know, like that's your thing. And, you know, it's not really my thing, but, and then now that we have Trey, um, you know, we watch wrestling probably five days a week because, you know, Trey's all in and we watch the, you know, the, the Raws and the NXTs and the AEWs and the ROHs and the NJPWs and the, all that crap. So, um, you know, so I know that she doesn't really like it and she, you know, when it's on, she doesn't really want to watch it. But, you know, she kind of like things and, you know, and then I'll go, I'll throw her a bone every once in a while and I'll watch The Bachelor and, you know, crap that has, you know, no interest with me. And, (laughs) but I don't fake and act like, and like have like deep conversations about why, you know, she didn't pick the douche with the red car. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just. All right, Dave, I've got to throw a serious question out here. And this is more uh, for my future wife that. Uh, we'll probably listen back to this if, if she's not listening live. So I've tried to warn her to tread lightly on the whole honeymoon phase thing. You know, the initial uh, just love phase that you're in in the beginning of a, re- a relationship. I've been trying to warn her for quite some time that this great deep love and affection she has for me, missing me all the time, will be ending very shortly. And she has to be prepared for that. She doesn't seem to think that that's ever going to happen, that she's just going to miss me uncontrollably all the time and want me to be around. 
Um, so how do we navigate this possibility? Certainly there's moments uh, where that's not the case, but I think the overall sentiment is uh, I keep trying to prepare her. You will hate me at some point in time, and you're going to have to be prepared for that. And how you handle that will be very important. So what are your thoughts on that comment in that um, situation? I, I think that <laughs> – uh, well, I'm surprised she doesn't hate you now. I mean, she's been with trust you for me, a while. so am I. So am I. I have no idea. If I was a betting man, which I am, I'd have lost a lot of money by now. <laughs> sure, um, sure. Um, but I think that, to be honest, like marriage kind of eliminates it in a way um, because it. You know, because it's already there. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the like when you're in that mode to like lock it down, especially for like for for girls. I think when they're in that mode, like I, I can only speak for my wife, um, you know, and her personality. But like when she sets it in her mind that that's what she wants, you know, it's just kind of like it, it's you know she's gonna do whatever she can, sweeten the deal, be nice. You know, every every you know, she's going to love you to the, to the moon and back until it's accomplished. And then once it's over, then it goes kind of back to, you know, she's won, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's just like uh, the Lakers. Once you win a couple of championships, you have a few down years, you know, where you're, you're schlubbing uh, Derek Fisher and uh, Kyle Kuzma out there and saying, win a championship. And then once you kind of have a couple down years out of the playoffs, you go back to the, you know what, maybe we should put everything into this and, you get a LeBron and an Anthony Davis and you start, you know, putting up chips again. So, but really here's my, here's my advice, Brad. And this is the realest advice that I'll ever tell anybody. You know, they, they always say that marriage is 50, 50, but the truth is marriage is a hundred hundred. So if you both can put a hundred percent in trying to make each other happy, then you'll be together forever. And that's, that's, well, that's, how often? How often do you have to put in this hundred percent? I mean, well, what I'm saying is, so what I'm saying is, like, if you just like you can have your own life as long as you understand that you guys are 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 together. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I go on trips, you know, by myself. Lindsay goes on trips by herself. I do, you know, I have uh, interest. She has interest. But at the end of the day, we know that, you know, it's respecting the bond of the marriage. Is that right? Is that, like at the end of the day, we know that we're together, and you know, like, and communication, as cheesy as it sounds, actually is is pretty pretty real. Like, you know, like if you discuss things and you are open with each other and you're honest with each other, um, you know, it's just you know where you, it works. So. You know, the problem is when you can't trust each other and you can't and you're 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 not being real and authentic and what you you really feel. And I've met your girl. She's a good person and she's patient as hell because she's still with you. And I'm yes. sure she's seen you punch a wall because the Vikings blew a lead or, uh, you know, uh, another uh, team has hit the bed and you're, you know, throwing stuff and you are kicking your cat that lives on the the porch across the room and uh you know she's seeing that all and she's still with you that's a keeper no no she's jumping in here there's been no wall punching or kicking the physicality is is a thing of the past oh that's Uh, your old man oh yeah yeah those are teenage teenage things dave uh one one more question i have for you so the whole engagement part from from the man's perspective what what does the communication have to be like with the family and friends? Is it my job to call the whole world and tell them that I'm engaged? I mean, what am I missing here? I feel like uh, this is a thing between me and uh, my now fiance. Uh, what is the protocol here of who I need or should be contacting? So, um, well, it depends on like how you want to do your wedding. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, I'm totally okay. So my wife and I are different. Um, I'm the type of person that if I don't really know you or, or I shouldn't say, I don't know you. Cause I know, you, it's, you know, everybody, but if we haven't really kicked it for a while and we don't, you know, communicate, it might not be every day or 
every week or every month. But if we don't have some sort of semblance of a relationship where, you know, I know I can call you and just say what's up and, and chat, then I don't really care if you know that step. I think a lot of people feel entitled to go to your wedding and to be a part of your relationship, even though they haven't really been a part of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when we were going through our wedding and stuff and and when people would find out, you know, people that I was like really close to five, six years prior, it's like, oh, you know, I, I didn't get an invite or, or am I going to be getting an invite to your wedding? And it's like, bro, I haven't talked to you in four years. You know, we just happened to run into each other at Walmart, you know? So like, whereas my wife, she wanted to invite everybody, like anybody that knew us, you know, or that she had contact, she's like inviting her uh, sister's cousin's hairdresser that cut her hair one time in third grade, you know? So like my list was like 95 people and it was mostly family, whereas her list was 200 and something. And we, we kind of had to pare it down to be like, well, this is going to cost an astronomical amount of money, you know? First, well, well, fortunately here, Dave, uh, we're going to enjoy this engagement for a, a very, very uh, substantial amount of time. And there will be uh, no plans for a wedding uh, for a while. So so this is this is good news. We're both on the same page there um, and we're both excited. This was just one step. And uh, I mean, we have to get jobs first, Dave. We don't we're not even employed. So I mean, oh, I got you. One. No, and, and I mean, I was the king of engagement. We were engaged for. Five years, I think, five or six years. So like, you know, and when I did it, I'll be honest with you. I, when I proposed to her, it was kind of like one of those things where I knew I was going to do it. And I just had a perfect opportunity to do it. We went to Vegas, ironically. And um, this was back when the Venetian was brand new. And we went on a gondola ride and I had my, uh, a bunch of my family and, and, and cousins and stuff went out there. We went on a family trip, so I knew it would be kind of like, you know, they were all be there. And it was kind of like, um, and I had, you know, when I told her parents or whatever, like I assured them because we hadn't been at it, you know, we were still in college and we were, you know, and, you know, Lindsay, she's, you know, get it, she was getting her doctorate at the time. And it was kind of like her parents were like, well, we don't want that messed up. But we assured them that we were going to, it was kind of like we knew we weren't going to get married until after college anyway. But it was kind of like what you said. It was the next step to the to the process of of getting married. Because really, marriage doesn't really change anything. Because once you're living together and you're paying bills and you know all that, it's not that much different. Except that she has your last name. The only thing that makes it harder to do is leave, which is kind of a good thing. Because mm-hmm. when you when you when you don't have that 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 thing, you know, you can go off the handle and. Be like, screw it, I'm leaving, and I don't want to talk to you, and yada yada yada. But when you're married, married, it kind of you can't just break up. You, you know, you got to go through a, a process, and and it makes you real, you know, kind of sit back and like, is this really what I, what I, um, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, I threw up too, but that was when I realized that I was going to be married. So um, that was, uh, um, but yeah, so. That, that, that's about the only difference, but it, I mean, hell, we, my wife and I were paying bills together and sharing bank accounts and doing everything for years before we got married. And it just, it was just a day to kind of solidify it. That's Dave Perry. Good friend of mine for, uh, quite a few decades here, jumping on the rest stop, uh, giving some marital advice to the newly engaged Brad Restituto, also known as Brad the Believer. Dave, I'm going to put you in the background in the studio here. Hang around for a minute if you'd like. I know it's late on your time, uh, so if you have to go, I understand as well. So, well, well, one, one thing, um, Spence, I need you to write me a column for the magic for us depressed fans that we got jobbed and got the fifth pick instead of one of the top three picks. I'm mourning still. This is this is not what I wanted. Uh, I do like Kaminga. Uh, I'm hoping that he's the guy that we pick. Or I think it would be nice if we somehow could trade the fifth pick and a Terrence Ross or a Gary Harris or maybe a future first-round pick 
because we have two more extra first round picks in the next couple of years uh, to move up into the top three. Um, I'm praying to baby Jesus we get Jalen Green, um, but um, it's very depressing right now. Yeah, uh, so ahead, I, I might be a part of a, a mock draft with the Orlando Magic Daily if I have time. They're, they're getting volunteers right now, so I guess I can promote that early. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm, re- I'm releasing an article probably tomorrow about uh, Terry Stotts. I think he should. Uh, I think they should really pursue, pursue him as their next head coach. I've been making that article over the past few days, so you'll see that on my Twitter uh, very soon. All right. Good luck. Thanks, Brad, for having me on, buddy. Always good to have you on, Dave. We'll uh, we'll see you soon, man. All right, Spence. That was Dave Perry with uh, some marital advice for down the road. I definitely have some more questions, but we'll uh, we'll save that for another time. Um, there's there's definitely plenty of questions. Let's jump into sports, Spence. Uh, let's uh, let's start NBA. Okay, that's our wheelhouse. The uh, the Clippers they they get one tonight at Staples Center. Against the Suns, Suns have an opportunity to really take a commanding lead with Chris Paul uh, back in the lineup. Still no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers get it done, and nobody really stood out statistically. Uh, nobody was lights out from the field. Paul George, 15 big rebounds. Uh, what do you think was the, the crucial turning point in this game for the Clippers being able to get the win? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing you can say is that they're not unfamiliar with the situation. This is the third time they've been down 0-2, so clearly – there was no panic there. Paul George just didn't have a good game once again. And it feels a little disappointing for Phoenix. And that was behind Devin Booker. He shot like five for 23, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken. And then this was, there's so many things you can look to in this game too. Like Chris Paul, this is the game that you think he would circle on his calendar. Being sure. that the team where he got the moniker that he can't get it done in the playoffs was the Clippers. He makes his debut in the series, you know, in L.A., and I don't think he had a bad game necessarily, but I can't imagine that you're going to, you know, have that many bad games out of Devin Booker. Although it's his first time in the playoffs, maybe he like suddenly gets the yips out of nowhere. I wouldn't say that uh, necessarily. And if you're the Clippers, it's not it's not good the way they won the game. They should have won by 20 points. I mean, for Paul George to once again shoot in the, somewhere in the ballpark of nine for 23, that's not going to get you to the finals. I don't know what it is about him. I think he could be much more of a facilitator, especially when you look at their roster and considering how deep it is. It's like he puts too much of the onus on himself. Like at the end of the day, I think he's going to have to realize I can't play very well or I can't shoot very well in the playoffs for whatever reason. I get nervous. I, I can't find my spots. Let me, you know, at least give my other teammates a chance. I mean, Reggie Jackson's been pretty good in the playoffs, obviously. Luke Kennard is a great shooter. Marcus Morris is a good shooter. Nicholas Batum is a good shooter. So it's not like uh, he has to put this kind of pressure upon himself. I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, this, this isn't uh, exactly a confidence inducer for the Clippers, in my opinion, even though they did win the game. So it is, you know, the good outcome at the end of the day. Spence, let's talk game one while we're on the NBA. Last night in Milwaukee, Atlanta gets a road victory. Again, uh, nobody was super impressive. Trey Young certainly had his moments. In last night's game, 48 points, he stood out. But aside from from Trey for the Hawks and Giannis for Milwaukee, um, it, it was a tale of, of the games within the game, right? Chris Middleton continued to struggle from the field. Drew Holiday was pretty good. I And I have to apologize for – I've talked about him briefly, but not including this guy in the conversation of 25 under 25 uh, is a mistake on my part. It's maybe because I didn't realize how how young he was. But John Collins from the Hawks, Spence. And this isn't just a couple games. This entire playoffs, he's been a factor and a big factor. And here, when the games have mattered the most against the Sixers and in game one against Milwaukee, he does the little things that you can't necessarily analyze statistically. I'm talking about getting his hands on rebounds and loose balls and keeping plays alive. The dude not only is an athletic freak, but he does help change games in the favor of the Hawks. He's in a very important piece, and and he was key as a sidekick in this one to really helping Atlanta overcome and stick around. They, the Milwaukee had a chance, the Bucks, to really separate themselves from Atlanta in this game, and Atlanta kept hanging around and ended up winning the game at the end. Uh, do you think this series could go seven games? I told you I, I really like the Hawks, and and they're the first team to defeat. Milwaukee at home this entire playoffs up to this point. 
Yeah, and I keep joking about uh, at work, I, at pregame and straight out of Vegas. I say they're going to continue to be seven-point dogs, and uh, they're going to keep continue to be doubted until they host up the uh, finals trophy. It's like it just feels that way that nobody thinks that they can do it in every single game they do. There's a few alarming things in this game, like the bench for Atlanta was just horrible at the end of the day. I think they all had negative plus minuses, meaning that any time they tried to bring in a second unit, they were losing them the game. Uh, and then most of the starters, I think, had pluses. And so that would be a good thing if you're looking at the Bucs side. You could say that the Bucs just straight up didn't shoot well, and they didn't. But on the same, uh, you know, on the same breath, like I think Atlanta also shot somewhere in 20% from three-point range. So I'm not going to say that, oh, wow, like this is going to be way different now because the Bucs are going to shoot better because I imagine that Atlanta will too. Like they're going to have to change up the way that they guard Trey Young at the end of the day. That seems pretty obvious. But here's the problem, and I was thinking about this. We've seen this in the playoffs so much this year, and it's caused teams to just straight up lose games. Way back in the day when, you know, the game first started changing, there was the idea of being able to switch on anything. That's how we phrased it. Not switch everything, was being able to switch when you need to. Can your center switch for this possession if the screen goes that way and they have to do it? Now, if you look at the way the Clippers have played defense against Luka in the first two games, and now what the Bucks did in game one, it's literally switch everything, meaning you can set a soft screen and then the defender will switch. So, I mean, imagine if LeBron James was given these kinds of looks, he might never lose a finals in that, okay, you just point, I want this guy to guard me. Come here, come set me a screen. Everybody clear out. I mean, that's just no way to play defense. It's about confusing them. It's about double teaming off of screens if you need to. But not, there's no one good defensive philosophy in, on uh, in the NBA in that, oh, this is how we're going to do this. No, you got to say situationally, this is how we want to guard it. I don't really understand what this blanket approach is to games and why it takes certain coaches multiple games to then adjust like the Clippers did against Luka when they did start showing him the double team when he you know, was a high screen and roll on the left and right-hand side. They trap him on the, on the corner when they had that much space. So we'll see if Milwaukee does that. I mean, I know Budenholzer has been under quite the scrutiny this offseason and his inability to adjust, but clearly he did that to a certain extent in the Brooklyn series. And I would imagine they're not going to let Trey Young score 48 points once again in game two. I agree with that. And, and it certainly looked like Milwaukee had control of this game. So I, I do not think by any means, and I don't think by this game one, any, anybody thinks that Atlanta is going to run through this series. Um, I, I still think they can win the series. I actually had a ticket. Uh, they At the Rampart, they allowed me to parlay the series the Hawks to win the series plus 350 with the VGK hockey game. But of course the VGK hockey game the other night did not go in my favor. So as the Golden Knights are now sitting at home or they will be sitting at home for the rest, uh, the remainder of the 2021 playoffs. But um, before we hit that Spence, let's finish up this, uh, this topic with, with Atlanta and Milwaukee. We, we've talked about the bucks. I, I've got to give Giannis credit. He actually shot it pretty well from the free throw line last night. But Middleton was terrible, and as a team, 22% from three. Uh, I know Atlanta wasn't that great either, as uh, Atlanta was 25% from three. Hawks 14 to 16 from the line, 11 to 14. The Bucks so fairly even there. It just came down to to key moments, and um, you may not have any highlights, Spence, but we definitely should have. We'll, we'll pull it for next show if we don't have it. The uh, Trey Young kind of alley-oop off the backboard to John Collins was sensational to be able to pull that off in-game. And something I talked about with you, again, something you cannot analyze in the box score, the Hawks just have a juice about them, Spence, that you can't you you can't really put into stats or plus-minus. There's just a type of energy about this team where they're never out. And if the Bucs if, – if, if, it doesn't matter if it's the Bucs. If you're any team and you don't put them away when you have a chance, they're, they're in it. And Trey Young – just he is young, he is confident, and he has energy for days. Spence, this guy is on a, a juice factor, dude. This guy is lit up with confidence right now, and there's no it doesn't matter if he's injured with a shoulder or, or anything. This guy seems to be on a mission, it's infectious. John Collins, his juice is, is off the radar. And if they can continue to get other guys to buy in along with Nate McMillan, this team is so dangerous. Uh, we're they're already 1 0. And the Eastern Conference Finals, and 
Milwaukee's got to be careful. Milwaukee at times looks like a tired team, Spence. They certainly exhausted a lot of energy in that last series against Brooklyn. Uh, it was back and forth. It looked like they were down and out. Uh, Giannis has certainly had to go to the bench quite a few times, and I think that may have, may or may not have played a small factor in that fourth quarter, but there is certainly the momentum, the juice, the, the enthusiasm, the X factor is in Atlanta's favor at this point. And uh, Milwaukee is going to need more contribution, of course, from Chris Middleton. If he does not start shooting the ball better, they're, they're going to be in trouble, real trouble in this series. But as far as Atlanta goes, they're going to have to find a way to slow down Giannis. He was able to do anything and everything he wanted with the basketball in game one. They're going to have to find a way to slow that down. I don't know how that happens. And if Giannis can keep shooting free throws like he did last night, it's certainly going to bode well for Milwaukee and give them an opportunity to, to get, get past Atlanta in this series. Yeah, and no, you, you, you did bring up a really good point in that Atlanta has certainly not shied away from late-game situations. They found themselves in quite a few against Philadelphia, and we know that Milwaukee is just very bad at late-game situations, mostly because they can't go to Giannis when they need him to, either because he doesn't have a good off or half-court set, like where he just feels comfortable where you give him the ball in a certain place and you can feel comfortable about that and that he can score – and even if he does like somehow get into a good spot and he gets fouled, well, he's not a very reliable free throw shooter. That next that responsibility next falls to Chris Middleton. But like you said, it's well documented that he is just not fit playing very well. This is uh, his scoring has been inconsistent. He's had a few you know good games here and there, a couple of clutch shots, but overall, not a very satisfying product. If he played well, they would have won the game obviously by quite a bit. Uh, so. Milwaukee's going to have to depend on playing really well in the first three quarters and hopefully give themselves enough cushion to come back. But Atlanta's also had a lot of great comebacks this year. It's really not a perfect matchup for Milwaukee in any sense, especially for a team that is uh, has so much confidence as they do and that nobody thinks they can do it. So they're just feeding off of that energy and continuing to outperform expectations. It's a fun series, and, and uh, you know I'm kind of rooting for Atlanta. I'm just not a fan of uh, the team philosophy of Milwaukee, personally. That's Spencer Ostrowski. Follow him on Twitter, at SpencerTheWiz. Also, check out his YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. Uh, Spence, let's jump into hockey. And let's start off with the local team here, the Golden Knights. Their season is now over. Uh, the, Mo the Montreal Canadiens, they, uh, they pretty much dominate after game two. And and the Knights are going home early. Very disappointing. They were a heavy favorite in this series. They just could not figure out a way to overcome Price, the goalie for Montreal. Um, and it's going to end up in disappointment. This, this is very disappointing for the Gold Knights, who are a big favorite here after overcoming a Game 7 and the first-round series against Minnesota. And then the best team record-wise in the league, Colorado. They beat them in six games. Coming into this series as a big favorite to lose in six games. Very disappointing for the Vegas Golden Knights, Spence. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm a Golden Knights fan. I'm from Vegas, so it was, you know, a little more disappointing. But, look, here's the reality of the situation in that they got all of their production out of defensemen and other guys on the team, which is good. In fact, I, I don't know the, like, literal numbers, but I would imagine they have more goals from supporting cast than anybody in the NHL in the postseason. Like, they were that good. You don't get score. Defensemen don't score goals at the rate that they did. I've never seen it. So how do they not win this series? I mean, and here's the reality. Max Pacioretty, who I, I've disliked for a very long time now, gone, missing in action. He comes back from injury, and they immediately become worse. Now, he had a few you know, dis decent goals here and there, and he won them a couple series. But that's the thing about the best players on your team. It's not about coming up in spots. The best players on your team are supposed to be the best players for a reason. And good Lord, where's Mark Stone? I think he had zero points in this entire series. This should have been an easy sweep, the way the Golden Knights' top players were performing. And that's been the issue for them besides year one when it was like kind of magical. The reason they haven't won the Stanley Cup is because who they pay the most money on their first line is legitimately just unproductive. And it's disappointing. Uh, and they'll have to go back again next year. Uh, there would be a lot of trades, in my opinion, for guys who just can't get it done. Number one being Max Pacioretty, who showed exactly who he was. If you look in that overtime game, or in this overtime, he had the opportunity of the game. I mean, uh, 
basically a perfect situation. You're rolling from the left, so you're shooting on your strong side, and uh, no one's there. It's not that far away either, and you just throw it right into Price's lap. Look, Price was really good, and he's you know probably the best goalie like in the postseason. Maybe even say Leonard, but it's too small of a sample size. Uh, but when you shoot like that, you make his job a lot easier. I, I don't really know what it's going to take for them, uh, but they lack juice, man. This is the most lackluster, most talented roster I've ever seen probably in the entire sporting landscape, in my opinion. Spence, the other series looks like it's going to a Game 7. The ter- series is tied at 3 on Wednesday. The New York Islanders, they go in overtime and beat the Lightning 3-2 to two in a Game 7. Uh, I believe the Game 7 is in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, after a huge victory um, in Game Five by winning eight to nothing, a, hu- a huge bounce back by the Islanders. This is not, uh, by no means, we're, we're we're one game left in, in, in the Eastern Conference. I'm not sure how close you followed it, but it's quite impressive for the Islanders after getting annihilated eight to nothing to come back in overtime, tie the series at three games apiece. And now it all comes down to a game seven tomorrow, Friday night in Tampa Bay. The the Lightning sit as a minus 160 favorite. Winner goes to the cup finals, Stanley Cup finals to take on the Canadians. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I think was a factor in this game was Kucherov. I don't know if you can look at the box score. I can't really. I'm on my phone. Uh, but Kucherov got hurt in the game that they won like by a lot. So if he's not playing, I mean, it just changes everything. I just talked about for the Golden Knights, Mark Stone being absolutely absent, meaning he has he had zero points in that entire series. Kucherov had had a point in every single game in that series, win or lose. So they need him very badly. And again, I think he's had one of the most impressive runs I've seen in recent sports memory that's been swept under the rug. A guy who missed the entire season and then comes in in the playoffs and immediately dominates. That is something to commend, something that is extremely impressive. And we'll see. But from what I know, what I've seen like pretty briefly, uh, New York is a very, you know, wild team. And, uh, you know, they, they just seem to kind of rally behind the situation of being a little uh, rough around the edges, but talented enough to get them through. We'll see. It'll be very entertaining. I'll, that, I'll keep uh, close attention to that game seven for sure. Spence, uh, as we wrap up tonight's show, we'll go back to the NBA. And of course, if you miss any part of the uh, live podcast, check out the audio version of any of this show on any of your podcasting platforms, Google, Spotify, Audio Boom, iTunes, and search Landry Football Conference Call. The rest stop will be underneath there. Also, we post the podcast on LandryFootball.com. Watch us live, twitch.tv slash Football, and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 Pacific time, and if by chance that changes, we'll notify you on one of the social media platforms. Spence, uh, let's talk about the NBA hire, Rick Carlisle, not out of a job long as the Indiana Pacers bring him in to be their new head coach. Uh, was this guy the, the most coveted free agent coach of all the teams looking for a position? And, and if so, how does this fit in with the Pacers and what they're looking to do moving forward? No, I mean, I really like their roster. No one pops up out of the page for you, but it, uh, certainly in the East, and we've seen what Atlanta has been able to do. I'm not saying he's going to be able to emulate that immediately, but you don't have to have uh, the most talented team in the entire league to get it done. You need a coherent team strategy. And as I'm looking at the job vacancies for Rick, uh, you know, I mean, there was the Pelicans, but how different is the situation that he left, uh, you know, from the Mavericks? When you look at it, he left because uh, he says it's mutual. I, I don't agree personally. I think Luca cleaned house and he kind of forced him to. So when you look at Zion, he's essentially doing the same thing minus the GM. So I was like, yeah, you know, talented team, but I can't imagine that'd be too fun for him. Uh, Orlando you know, was probably another one, but that's a that's a bigger project, and I'm not interested. I'm not. I don't think he was interested in starting from the ground up like some other coaches might be, like Terry Stotts. I get the feeling might be uh, in that situation, and that's why I'm releasing an article tomorrow on the Orlando Magic Daily, or probably in the next couple of days, where I think that he would be a really good next coach for them. So he wanted the situation where he could come in. Well, there's no, uh, you know, I don't think he was opposed to a superstar, but certainly like the team environment was important to him. And the Pacers are right for making a run next year of some sort, maybe not to the finals, but Malcolm Brogdon, we know, is a very good player. TJ Warren opted into season-ending surgery because he hated Nate Bjorkren so badly. Uh, Who else do they have on their team? As I'm going down, uh, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner. 
So it's not like they're going to struggle. Like they will absolutely have high expectations. I'll put them as high, high as the four seed. I think they can get up there. And maybe even higher. Depends on the injury situations for the teams up top. Depends on what the 76ers do this offseason. So there's no doubt. You know, when, when you play a full schedule, which I think they will next year, uh, you'll find a situation where you're playing mostly East teams. And we know the East is historically pretty weak. Maybe not as much now, but there's a lot of t- bottom feeders. So you get a lot of easy victories throughout there. And then now we know there's a whole resting problem with how many injuries they were this year. And I don't think they'll ever ha- run into resting problems. DeMontis Sabonis is pretty like cement in his kind of uh, stance on that in that he wants to play every game. And considering he's the leader for the team, I think he'll kind of uh, have that go throughout the team where they'll want to play every game and the regular season will be like their championship in a certain sense. And he's a good coach to do that. He's already brought this team to the conference finals in 2007, uh, that team with Reggie Miller. So it's not like he lacks experience with the franchise. It's not like he lacks experience making deep postseason runs. This is a really good fit. I think this is one of the smartest hires Indiana's had after a uh, ridiculous firing of Nate McMillan, I guess, just a year ago. Spence, as we wrap up, let's give out some winners for the two basketball games tomorrow night in Milwaukee. Game two, Hawks, Bucks. Milwaukee sitting at a seven and a half point home favorite over under 226. Anything stand out to you there? I'm sorry. What was that game? It's uh, Atlanta, Milwaukee tomorrow night. Uh, game two, Milwaukee, seven and a half point home favorites over under 226. Yeah, I, I think Milwaukee will respond. I just can't imagine that uh, Chris Middleton has another bad game. Although, here's the thing I also I loved Chris Middleton's under in points in uh, game one because Kevin Herter was guarding him due to the injury to Bogdanovich. And uh, Kevin Herter guarded him very well in the regular season. Chris Middleton only averaged 17 points right. a game against them in the regular season. So uh, if you look at their game splits, I- I'm leading Milwaukee. I'm not going to bet the game, though, because uh, I do think Atlanta is just <laughs> – they've already seven-point dogs, and they always seem to cover. They're the second-best team in the league against the spread behind – or in the postseason only behind Phoenix. Uh, but I'll take Milwaukee here just off my gut feeling. Well, that's the reason I'm going to ride ATL until it falls off. Um, seven and a half is is a big number, and I'll go with the Hawks. And look, I, I easily think that the Bucks could come out and get revenge game two, and they more than likely will. But I, I just can't go a, a, against Atlanta in this spot until somebody really puts a nail in their coffin. And uh, look, Milwaukee can certainly do that. They had many chances to blow that game open, but – the confidence of the Hawks is riding real high right now. I know they're they're injured and banged up, but they've got a lot of confidence. And if they could so- somehow sk- steal two on the road against Milwaukee would be not only improbable, but um, pr- pretty sensational, to be honest. Um, so I, I think they keep it within three, three possessions. Give me the Hawks, and I think this one goes over the total as well, over 226. Saturday, Spence, game three in Staples Center. Clippers uh, are going to be a one-point home underdog. To the Suns, I think the Suns get back on track with Chris Paul. Give me the Suns to take a commanding 3-1 to one lead over under 220. Uh, Suns have been playing a lot of under these playoffs. I'll go under that total. What are your thoughts, Spence? Yeah, I don't like to bet over-unders. It's impossible. I just feel like uh, when I was betting the NBA during the regular season, I would put, do so much research. I would look at trends for over-under, and then it would just fall off the window after the first quarter. Uh, but I am going to also take Phoenix here. I think this line is kind of bizarre, to be honest with you. Uh, there was the desperation factor in this game, and clearly it kind of shone through. Uh, but Devin Booker is not going to play like that again. And Chris Paul, it has to relish in the idea of playing in L.A. eventually. So if he gets the uh, help from he needs from Devin Booker, they will blow them out of the water. I'm not impressed with the Clippers in any sort of fashion anyways. And, and Spence, finally in the hockey game, game seven tomorrow, do you think Tampa Bay holds home ice? And uh, do they have an opportunity to repeat as Stanley Cup champions? Do they get past the Islanders tomorrow night? If Kucherov does play, I don't like the puck line. One and a half is probably too much for a game seven, but I, I will take money line Tampa Bay. I think I'm literally going to put money on it. So there you go. There you have it. There's Spencer Ostrowski, Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad Restituto. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend, enjoys the sports action. Stay safe out there and cool in this summer heat if you're here in Las Vegas. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Have a great night, everybody. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.